It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's Manveen. In the week between Christmas and New Year, we're looking back on some of our favorite episodes of 2023. In today's episode, we explore an unusual side of US-China history. You may have heard this year about the late Henry Kissinger's role in opening up relations between the two superpowers. But was there someone else who should be thanked but has so far been grossly overlooked? Well, today's episode is about the role of the giant panda. What you're about to hear is a telephone call crackling through the mists of time from all the way back in 1972. You get me, uh, uh, Mr. Crosby Noise, please, of the Washington Star. Yes, sir. Hello. Mr. Crosby Noise. Hello, President. Oh, yeah. Fine, thank you, sir. I don't have anything of earth-shaking importance enough for your column, but uh, I thought you'd be interested in When President Richard Nixon made this phone call to a journalist for the Washington Star, he was on the first ever visit by an American president to the People's Republic of China. It was a trip of earth-shaking importance, which shaped foreign policy and geopolitics for decades to come. And President Nixon knew just how to sell it to the American people. To help usher in this new era of diplomacy, he relied on a pair of giant pandas. The afternoon edition of the Star that Mrs. Nixon and I decided that the pandas should go to the zoo. Oh, that's very good news. I I think so. Now that I've given you the story of pandas, let me let you get back to your more serious questions. (laughs) How soon are they arriving? April 1st. Uh That phone call kick-started the modern era of panda politics. Now, giant pandas can be found in zoos from Edinburgh to Adelaide and Moscow to Singapore but they come at a price. Not only do they cost millions of pounds to keep, but they also require the political seal of approval from China's government. And when international relationships falter, those animals can be held hostage. Once a symbol of Beijing's goodwill, now the center of angry debate in China, 
This panda in Memphis, Tennessee, has become the latest victim in worsening U.S.-China tensions. For some Chinese people, she's even become a sort of glaring symbol of U.S. repression and bullying of China. How did these harmless animals become one of China's most effective foreign policy tools? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, how giant pandas became China's furry diplomats. This is Didi Tang. I'm the Beijing-based correspondent for the Times of London. I've been covering everything about China, you know, political, social, cultural, panda now. <laughs> now the pandas, there's always pandas. Tell us a bit about that, because you recently went to Chengdu. And did just remind us exactly where Chengdu is and what you were looking at when you got there. So Chengdu has the reputation of being the capital of pandas, the giant pandas, is a major, major city located in the southwest part of China. Sichuan, I think people are familiar with Sichuan food, right? So you go there, you will go to the research centers, the breeding centers, right? You can see lots and lots of pandas there. Very cute. So I was there recently and then saw there was a panda birthday party going on. And then that was a time when I realized each panda in China, they have its own fan base. So you have people who are considering you know, certain panda their idol. So just to be clear, each panda in these reserves has its own fan base. Yes. Like a pop star. Like the K-pop stars. It's a culture, you know, the fan base will do all kinds of things for you to make sure you have the popularity, you get enough like media exposure, and then all your major events, like especially your birthdays, you know, you'll be celebrated. Their fans will come to the pandas' homes and take photos and share the photos. And then they will have birthday parties, you know, with birthday cakes and lots of frozen fruits. So this culture, okay, this kind of fan culture, right, has gone to the extreme. Actually, recently, China state media have come out to criticize it. So what happened really? recently was they saw the breeders, you know, probably was like whipping one panda with some kind of bamboo stick. So of course, the fans, they accused the breeder of abusing the panda. So there were, there has been this kind of huge fight on social media, right? The state media to say, look, enough is enough. Don't bring this kind of fan culture into the world of pandas. Let the professionals take care of the pandas. So actually, this has been a very divisive issue here right now. About 20 years ago, I went up to those panda reserves in Chengdu too, and they weren't as popular then. They didn't have the fan base. But it's worth just pointing out that pandas, they're like big, furry slightly lazy humans. So I can see why people would be so fascinated by them. Do they hold a particular place in Chinese tradition, in Chinese culture? So I've been looking, been reading into some kind of literature. Apparently, you know, back in the 700s, they started to realize China had this very unique species. And then they thought that was a pressure thing. And in recent history, of course, the giant panda has become, we call the guobao, the national treasure. Is something the whole nation cherishes. And ever since I was a little child, we were taught to protect the pandas because they were considered endangered species. 
the schools will arrange those kind of fundraising events to say, like, let's raise money, the pennies, right, from our pocket money to get bamboos for the pandas. So it's very much like in part of our culture. Like, and I think it appeals not only to the Chinese people, but to people all over the world. The WWF, you know, the World Wildlife Fund, you know, Swiss-based international charity that devotes itself to the conservation of wildlife around the world. It uses panda as its logo. So that speaks of the panda's universal appeal. It's unique to China. We take huge pride in that because it's, it's something that set China apart from other countries. Well, Didi, you're right. They do have universal appeal. You know, it definitely travels. And they have ended up taking up quite an important role in international relations. Take us back to 1972 and the start of something that's become known as panda diplomacy. Actually, if you look back prior to 1972, this panda diplomacy had already started. So before 1972, the People's Republic of China did not gift panda to any other country other than the former Soviet Union and the North Korea. For the obvious reason, right? You know, the Soviet Union and the North Korea, they were considered good friends of China. Where it was closed to the rest of the world, really. Definitely not to the West. Yeah. So the changes, they came in 1972 when Nixon visited China. This was the big moment where President Nixon surprised the world, really, by turning up in China. For China and the U.S. to have any kind of contact and to normalize its relationship, it was a huge deal, not only for those two countries, but also for the whole world. This was the week that changed the world. What we will do in the years ahead to build a bridge across 16,000 miles and 22 years of hostility which have divided us in the past. And it was a sign that China was finally going to open up to the rest of the world. China was going to become part of the global community. Before he came, there were a lot of talks. The Americans, they expressed interest. They say, like, if that was possible, that we could get a pair of pandas. And, you know, China never gave any indication until the very last days of his visit. And then they surprised President Nixon and his wife that China was going to gift a pair of pandas to the U.S. These pair of giant pandas, like the pair of musk oxen, is the symbol of friendship between the peoples of the People's Republic of China and the United States. And of course, that decision, I think, came after China and the U.S. had really good talks. The relationship was going to be normalized. So that was the start. And then China started to have this kind of a goodwill gesture, you know, to the rest of the world. And then in the next 10 years, China started to gift to other kind of Western countries. Now, Japan, France, UK, Mexico, and Spain, they started to get the pandas from China. And we know how hard President Nixon had to work in order to get that pair of pandas for, for America. For the other countries like Britain and France, was there a quid pro quo? What was sought in return. In 1982, out of conservation concerns, China stopped gifting pandas. 
And then came the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles. So there was a kind of agreement to lease the pandas from China just for the Olympics. It was a short-term lease. So it started another kind of a phase of, I wouldn't call panda diplomacy, but probably panda business, right? China found out it was very profitable to lease out the pandas. It was kind of mercenary, right? It was businesslike. There were a lot of criticism how you were going to make sure it's done in the best interest of pandas. So in 1994, China started another program, which has continued on to today. It's called the Joint Research Program. How does that work? So China is going to work with other countries to, to breed, to contribute to the conservation Instead of short-term yeah. lease, the lease actually starts at 10 years and renewable for another 10 years. It's also become a money spinner. It costs about half a million to one million, depending on the country, for the lease. And China later on you know, added other clauses, like if any cups that should be born to the pair, if you want to keep the cups, you have to pay extra 400,000 US dollars, something like that. But before the cups turns four years old, that cup has to be returned to China. I've seen reports like some of the Western European countries, they spent tens of million dollars for this program easily, easily. And that the money is going to this conservation program. Who pays for it? Is it the government or is, is it the zoo? It's a combination. You have the zoo proceeds, you're going to have extra income, but that's far from covering the expense. So as I say, this is more than a business deal or conservation. This is also political. The government will only enter this partnership with a country deemed friendly to China. So the more we trade, if you're friendly with us, if you do business with us, and China uses this one to basically to show, hey, we're happy with you, you know, we're friendly. Or if China threatens to recall the pandas, right? And then that's a really sure sign of disapproval. Hey, we're not happy with you, right? So we're pulling out the pandas. Right, right. Didi, that's hilarious because that's what people would normally do with diplomats. You know, if you're really angry with a country, you'd, you'd pull back your diplomats, you'd close your embassy. And they do that with pandas in a zoo. In a way, I mean, you talked about how important it's become for trade, for trying to do deals with other countries. China seems to be using them to exercise you know, remarkable soft power. Tell us a bit about that. I think Beijing is very aware of that. And then so the pandas really have become this goodwill ambassador for China, has won lots of goodwill towards China. And I think in that sense, it has been very successful the leaders of foreign governments, they want to be seen, you know, with pandas. It's a very good PR in the eyes of the public. Also, panda is not very aggressive in nature. Any country who has an animal like that, I think no one can help but taking advantage of having such an adorable, lazy, peace-loving animal and then to extend the soft power, you know, and why not? This is what I'm going to say, like, why not? If you have something, this is perfect. Of course, you're going to use the pandas. Coming up, how a panda at an American zoo triggered an international blame game and caused tensions in the US-China relationship. That's in just a moment. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Didi, tell us about a panda called Yaya in a zoo in Memphis in America. Tell us the story. When did Yaya first arrive? So Yaya and her partner, Lele, um, arrived in Memphis Zoo 20 years ago. So it will be 2003. So they went there under a 10-year lease. But that contract was renewed for another 10 years, so for a total of 20 years. Just after 3 o'clock, Lala and Yaya in their special FedEx ride landed safely in Memphis after a long trip from China. Memphis is only the fourth zoo in the U.S. to get this precious and most sought-after cargo. It has taken several years of hard work from Memphis Movers and Shakers, the zoo, and the former ambassador to China to get the pandas here. Now, Yaya is a elderly panda. So what happened was Lele, its partner, died suddenly in February. And then the timing of his death just was not that great. At this point, China and the U.S. are not getting along. There have been all sorts of bitter you know, sentiments against each other, right? Taiwan, Hong Kong, you name it. There have been so many issues. So the relationship had been very, very tense. So when Lele died suddenly, the Memphis Zoo came out to say, Lala, along with Yaya, was scheduled to return to China this spring as our loan agreement with China comes to an end in April of this year. Lala passed away peacefully in his sleep early Wednesday morning, February 1st. Can Lala get sick? No, there was no indication that, that, that Lala was, was sick at this, at this time. This was sudden and unexpected. So... Given the sentiments against the U.S. in China, let's just say the questions or the concerns were raised if there were any kind of abuse, any kind of mistreatment in China, the members of public demanded a thorough investigation. Of course, in response, China sent a team of experts to the U.S. to look at, you know, the cause of the death. And then the pictures of Yaya 
started to service on internet to say, you know, she looks sick. She had this kind of a skin diseases, and then she wasn't eating, she wasn't like playing. And so some people start this petition, right, to say, let's bring Yaya back home. Join the calls for Yaya to be sent home now. The Memphis Zoo is just prolonging her suffering by being Posted selfish. comments on microblogging site Weibo, where the hashtag Yaya has generated a staggering 4.6 billion views. Yaya, come back home. Yaya, come back home. Make some noise for Yaya, yeah. Make some noise for Yaya. And then the bigger picture, we're talking about the U.S.-China relationship. And that has really fed into this anti-U.S. sentiment. Like, this was another piece of evidence the U.S. is not friendly to China. Look at how they're treating our national pressure, how they're treating Yaya. But anyway, we can talk about rhetoric, but aside from that, I think China is still trying to go by the lease terms. Right. So the lease was up anyway. The lease is up anyway. The Chinese, you know, experts and the breeders, they went to Memphis. Actually, the state, the official uh, news agency had this really nice report to say, look, there was nothing wrong with Yaya. She does not have the problem of malnutrition. She has no other medical issues, no kind of wrongdoing whatsoever. You know, she's old, Yaya, right? In her 20s. And that's really kind of considered like senile for the pandas and talking about her weight is stable and her health is stable. I think China also trying to say, look, don't get overworked up on this one. That's interesting. So you've got these reports coming out, which are basically telling people to calm down. Were there still calls, though, from, from the public to bring her home? Oh, yeah, it was like on social media, it was like the hot topic, it was trending. And then there was like this kind of rising call, like bring Yaya home, cannot be mistreated. She cannot suffer one more day in that evil country of the U.S. Outside the panda exhibit at the Beijing Zoo, I asked people if they've heard of Yaya the panda. This man says, yes, she's abused in America. At the same time, they started to post photos of the pandas in the Moscow Zoo in Russia, right? You know, friend of the Chinese government. So those pandas are younger, much, much younger. They look healthy. They say, look, Uh you know, look how Russians, they're looking after our national pressure, looking after the pandas. And this man with his granddaughter tells me pandas in Russia are very happy. Why? Russians and Chinese are friends. At least Russia is not sanctioning China. They even took out some kind of ad in the Times Square to say, look, you know, look at how how terrible Yaya looks, right? Ultimately, at the end of April, amidst a social media storm, Yaya returned to China when the lease agreement ended. Yaya the giant panda is back home in China, arriving to Shanghai on a special flight to millions of fans on Chinese social media, celebrating her return. When the plane landed, we shouted, she's back. We couldn't help but burst into tears. And she has settled in, in the Beijing Zoo, where I'm sure she will get lots of visitors. They want to know how she's doing. They have special feelings towards Yaya with the perception that Yaya might have been mistreated in the U.S. So now Yaya needs some kind of extra care from us. We all have to go there to support Yaya. (laughs) 
obviously they're having an impact on Chinese people because they're seeing these images. And even though there's a correction, not many people are reading it. But it makes them think this is how America treats a Chinese symbol and this is how Russia treats a Chinese symbol. How much are they still being used by the Chinese government, do you think, to show who they're happy with, who they're disappointed with? If we look back, when Obama was going to meet Dalai Lama, you know, shortly after he became U.S. president. And China yeah. actually was saying, look, if you do this one, we're going to take back the cups. And then China did take back two cups. But again, if you're reading the official reports, like talking about, oh, it's just because we had the clause, the cups, they belong to China, they should be returned to China after two years. So when relationships was were okay, everything was up for negotiation. We can have an amendment to the contract. But when the relationship is not that good, China is going to enforce, is going to implement every single clause in the contract. Yes, let's follow the rules. Two years, the cups should be back. So that was directly to show that they were angry that President Obama had met the Dalai Lama. So suddenly the negotiations end and the pandas are returned. Right. In that case, how should we read the fact that Edinburgh Zoo keeps asking for an extension to its loan so that it could keep its pandas and... It's not being extended as far as we know. Are we in trouble? <laughs> we in the bad books? <laughs> it probably means. I mean, the pandas have been in Edinburgh Zoo for how long now? Uh, coming up um, for the first 10-year contract is up? Yeah. In Memphis, right? They had Lila and Yaya for the first 10 years. And then 10 years ago, China, US, they were okay, right? So it was okay for them to renew the lease for another 10 years. And then so I guess this is a sign if Edinburgh Zoo is not getting it. Now, I think that's a sign of China's disapproval of how UK politicians are behaving these days. China is not happy, you know, with the remarks made by UK politicians over Hong Kong, over China's military buildup, over Huawei, all those things that have happened in the last like five, six years. So now I would say the UK-China relationship is not that good. So it's not surprised China does not want to renew or extend the lease with Edinburgh Zoo. We're all at the whims of this geopolitics. No one is exception. Pandas are not exception. And how much if you want to keep the pandas and how much you are willing to modify your China policy. I think that's for the the UK politicians to think about. Looking forward at this point, given China's relationship with the West, probably it's going to be harder for the US, say, to get a new contract for any US zoo to get pandas from China. And who, to which country, is China going to team up in this joint research is going to be very telling about China's diplomacy in the years to come. As well as helping China's relations with countries around the world, acting as a tool of soft power, every time they do one of these deals, when they loan the pandas, they do sign up to helping panda conservation. Has any of that actually had an impact? Oh, yeah. I mean, in the past, like, three or four decades, the panda population has really increased. And I will say China has done a very good job in the conservation efforts. 
And I think actually those joint research programs probably also have worked because that has allowed Chinese researchers to work with Western zoologists. So the number of the panda in the wild has increased to 1,864 by 2021, up from like 1,100 something 20, 30 years ago. And then the number of the pandas in captivity also has gone up. And I think the status of the giant pandas also has been downgraded one mm. level. So it's not on the brink of extinction. And then it, there's a good chance that they're going to survive and that they're going to be able to be repopulated in the wild. And I think that's actually, that's the goal for all those breeding programs is at one point, the panda, they can go back to the wild and they can survive on their own. Hopefully, all we have done, all the money, right? The millions of dollars yeah. at the end of, are going to, you know, go into this goal that transcends the borders is <laughs> for the goodness of the pandas and for the planet. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, Beijing correspondent for The Times, Didi Tang. You can read more of Didi's work, from panda politics to the latest on China-Taiwan tensions, at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription or in print. The producer today was Sam Chantarasak. The executive producer is Kate Ford. And sound design was by David Crackles. If you can, please do leave us a review. Let us know what you thought of this episode. Thanks for listening. See you again soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.